0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chelsea Overseas Podcast. Today it is just Adam and I and we will be recapping the Chelsea vs Arsenal and Man City games as well as previewing the Newcastle game. So with that said, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Also just a quick uh, disclaimer, this is the last Chelsea Chelsea Overseas Podcast episode before the World Cup, so that's pretty exciting stuff. So Chelsea vs Arsenal. Adam... How disappointed are you with this performance? What went wrong for Chelsea defensively? Um, this was obviously a Stanford Bridge game. I'm quite happy with it, but apart from uh, apart from Cucurello's extensive love for Xhaka, what went wrong?
1: Well, it obviously didn't go well for Chelsea. And uh, basically what I sort of saw was, I think, so you had Arsenal in possession, kind of like we said that they would. They liked to go into a little bit of a back three, and then they could have Zinchenko come inside along Thomas Partey, and then you got your five up front, which can interchange. And Chelsea went into a 4-2-3-1 uh, defensively in response to that. But I think where Arsenal hurt Chelsea is what, what happened was our so our two wide players in Mason Mount and Raheem Sterling were, were very concerned about the movement of the Arsenal fallbacks. So Sterling would follow... Zinchenko into midfield and Mason Mount would follow Ben White wherever he went, whether he went wide, whether he tucked into more of a back three, which was pretty often. Then that sort of left space for Gabriel, right? Who was the left center back to find space because Sterling was drawn inside. Loftus-Cheek was pretty much marking Granit Xhaka. And then Gabriel was always kind of the spare man. So they always had the spare man at the back building out. And that really helped him defensively. And then I think what Arteta did well is he had Gabriel Jesus likes to drop deeper, but he dropped very deep. And what that does what what that did was, especially with Chelsea in a back four, Potter wanted Chalaba to go out to him and mark him closely. So Chalaba would go out to him. Sterling was attracted by Zinchenko and would deal with him inside. And then Xhaka would almost pull Loftus-Cheek out of position and then what you had was a gaping hole between Thiago Silva and Azpilicueta, right? And then Martinelli was able to get on the ball uh, pretty easily. And even when Xhaka, instead of trying to pull Loftus-Cheek out and go wider, when Xhaka would stay really high on the front line, right, then Martinelli would come a bit deeper, a bit wider and receive the ball that way and run at Azpilicueta that way and then you had the overload with um then trying to make runs in behind and whatnot so that I think it was a lot of the left hand side and the spare man at the back uh and then finding Martinelli with balls over the top or balls into him to then let him get uh one-on-one with Azpilicueta that really helped and definitely Jesus's movement and the the movement of the front five and how they interchanged positions even when they switched the play from left to from right to left on occasion with with Jesus dropping in and then they were able to find Martinelli one on one so uh, yeah that left-hand side caused a lot of problems and i think the movement of the fullbacks and having the spare man at the back really really helped for arsenal
0: you mentioned Jesus uh, quite a bit and i wanted to say uh, he gets a lot of criticism for like Especially from Arsenal fans recently that he uh, he hasn't been scoring as much and he, he started off really strong. But I think every time he's been on the pitch, he the consistency is there. Maybe he doesn't score as much nowadays, but uh, he's always a key player in the sense that his movement and positioning, it's kind of like a Werner uh, back in the days for the UCL run of uh, Chelsea his uh, movement and his positioning is always ideal for arsenal to find the right spaces like the rest of the players like you mentioned your martinelli your saka running down the wing like his mo- he always knows where to be at the right time he uh, he can give the assist before the goals too i think he's a very key player and he de- he deserves no criticism at all he's great
1: yeah and uh, you know i agree in terms of uh, he's it's not like he's playing poorly he's contributing well to the team and, you know, obviously his hold-up play and, and technical ability, I think, is far stronger than, than Werner's. But uh, but, anyways, uh, for, you know, and what Jesus' movement did too was, so you get that gaping hole between Thiago Silva and your your right-back Azpilicueta. So Aspilaqueta then started to sort of, drift inside and get closer to Thiago Silva to close the gap. But then that gave more space for Martinelli to receive the ball. So either way, it made Chelsea uh, vulnerable. So, and and in that back four, obviously you have two central defenders. So that gap is wider. So, yeah, it was was definitely a a big problem for Chelsea defensively. And obviously one more thing, the, the set piece, that Arsenal scores on, it's poorly defended. It should be... Kai Havertz at the front post should make contact with it.
0: And Cucurella should never, ever be defending like that. I don't know what that was, but maybe he really does love Xhaka. Why did Chelsea also struggle so much to create chances, do you think?
1: Well, so... Arsenal, obviously, I think you've got to give them credit. They pressed really well in this game. And I think... For, for Chelsea, they really struggled to connect the midfield with the attack, right? And I think Jorginho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, they had a, re- they had a really rough game. And uh, when Chelsea did try to play out from the back, it was, it was difficult. So you'd have Thiago Silva and you'd have um, Chelaba going closer to Mendy when Chelsea were playing out from the back because Mendy's a bit vulnerable with his feet. Then when Chelsea would try to play out Arsenal would always block the passes into Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho right and even Mason Mount who was dropping in into the into the spaces too they would uh, nullify that so it was very difficult and Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek found it difficult to get on the ball so often times when Chelsea did play out from the back Arsenal would win the ball back so Chelsea went actually longer quite a few times and uh, when they went longer, I think a lot of the idea when Chelsea did go forward was to get the right side, particularly with Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling, to find Havertz in that half space so that when Raheem Sterling got the ball, he could make the run in behind the back line of Arsenal and then try to find the cutback opportunities. But Sometimes when Chelsea went longer, it worked and they were able to win, win the ball, win the second ball, and then go forward from there. But when they did get forward, uh, you know, particularly in the first half, and Kai Havertz did get into those situations where he was able to get in behind, then his decision-making was poor and the quality in the final third was awful and Aubameyang got no service. So I think give credit to Arsenal because they pressed really well and they forced Chelsea to think, oh, we, we probably got to go longer to to be a threat and create some opportunities. And they did get into some situations, but they didn't make it count uh, when it happened. Even when Chelsea were in possession in open play and Arsenal were set up in their defensive shape, which was often a 4-1-4-1, you had Partey sitting, right? But you had then Odegaard and Xhaka going right on to Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho, so they really struggled those two. And even though Chelsea tried to find the, that box in the midfield with uh, Loftus-Cheek, Jorginho, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz, that because Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho couldn't get on the ball and then play through the lines, it was really difficult. and you got to give Arsenal credit.
0: No, I agree for sure. I think I, uh, especially the fact that Arsenal's high press, um, it was a key factor of why Arsenal were able to maintain the maintain chelsea i'd say this game right not give chelsea much one example of that gabriel jesus going up behind loftus cheek was it he came from behind tackled him got the ball and then created a chance and i really like that about these arsenal players the aggression the hunger it's there yeah do you think this game shows the gap that is between the two teams at the moment and yeah i understand it was only a one nil win But you have to consider that this was the one game Chelsea had against Arsenal in Stamford Bridge. The next one against Arsenal's at, well, the Emirates.
1: Well, it does show the gap. I think, you know, you have a team in Arsenal that's been rebuilding for a few seasons. And they've had to go, you know, it got worse before it got better, you'd have to say. But, you know, as we talked about before this match, Arsenal have done a really good job of getting players that suit Arteta's system. And that sort of patience is needed at Chelsea, but whether you know, Potter gets that sort of time or not is is the burning question. And uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, ultimately also Arsenal do have pretty much like no injuries and Chelsea have to, two of their best players and, and a few others too. Ultimately, um, you know, Arsenal, even, even when Chelsea are fully healthy, uh, Arsenal right now are in... A better state and uh, look like a team that can threaten at the top of the top of the table. Chelsea are very much a work in progress, but what this does show this match is that hopefully time time is needed, patience is needed for things to get better. So hopefully Potter does get that time, but as we know at Chelsea, it's times hard to get.
0: There was an interview this past week or so with uh, Guardiola. I don't know if you saw this, but he essentially said within the last three or four seasons, City are like at this stage of the uh, Premier League. They have the most points that they have had in the last three or four years, and somehow they're still not in first. Right? So it just goes to show the level that the, the competitiveness of this season is really high. And, you know, Arsenal are at that level. This is that rebuild. But, yeah. Speaking of City, let's move on to the Chelsea versus City game, though. Chelsea lost. They did actually play well, though. Uh, what worked for them in this match?
1: Yeah, so you have to say, Potter got it wrong against Arsenal for sure. We talked about what, what didn't work and how Arsenal exploited Chelsea. But here you have to give Potter some credit because... This this did work. Uh, I think he he set up a, a winning team in this match, and you know I think you got to give Chelsea credit. Okay, obviously you don't have Kevin De Bruyne, you don't have Haaland in this match, but I mean Chelsea had injuries of their own and were missing a few of their best players. So I guess we're a little we're a little even here, and uh, you know they start a few youth products, we start one, so. Anyways, um, I think Chelsea, defensively, they did pretty well. They held their own. And sure, City had a lot of shots, a lot of possession, the usual. That's inevitable. But I think what Chelsea did a good job of it is at first watching the game, I was a little bit worried. City were in a 4-2-3-1. So you had your four and you had Gundogan and Rodri in front. And then I was a little bit worried because Marez was often actually drifting inside. So you had Marez inside and you had Grealish also inside and then Palmer between them. So you had a a little bit of a box in in the midfield. And uh, Chelsea in more of a 5-2-3, I was Grealish in the opening moments had found some good spaces off the... uh, off the right of um, Dennis Zakaria. And I was I was a little bit worried that we'd get outnumbered in that area. But I think what Chelsea did a good job of is as that first half went on, they recognized, okay, we probably got to drop into more of a 5-4-1 just to have a bit more support in, in that midfield line so that when Grealish does look to get on the ball in that half space on the left, Ziyech can support a, li- a little bit more on, the re- on uh, Chelsea's left side, you had Pulisic who could tuck in a bit more and you could make it that 5-4-1. You could be a bit more solid, a bit more difficult to penetrate through the midfield areas because there was some brilliant one-touch football. Because they had so many players closely together in that space with Mares, Grealish, Palmer, you had Alvarez who would even try to drop in and uh, play off of the back line. Because there were so many players closely together, I was a bit worried we would get outnumbered, but I think dropping into that 5-4-1 did did help. And, you know, we were able to keep a clean sheet in the first half. And ultimately it took a free kick to un, to undo us. Right. And the wall on that free kick was not good. I don't know why Khalidu Koulibaly did not jump. But you know, tactically, I think Chelsea didn't, you know, did pretty well in, in, in the 5-4-1. And then in the attack, they they were able to create chances. Like Chelsea created the better chances in the first half. You know, in the second half, it got away from them because once that free kick goes in, you have to open up so you're more vulnerable defensively. Um, but they were able to create chances throughout the whole match, especially some really good ones in the first half. And I think what what worked is when they played out from the back, they could create width with their wing backs. but they could have against the back four City, they could have... The two inside forwards, Mason Mount and uh, and Christian Pulisic, or sorry Christian Pulisic and Hakim Ziyech, drop in and try to and look to combine with the wing backs to play through the press and uh, and then working in behind there. And then you could always switch the play uh, to the other wing back on the other flank. So Chelsea were able to to play through City uh, that way and and it worked and they created chances and i mean you look at some of the play from Lewis Hall on the left side and uh, the the chance that was created at the end of the first half it was just a case of a finishing really because the way potter had set them up uh, to play through the city press was was good
0: yeah no i i fully agree lewis hall even as a youngster the he, he had a great he had a great performance he's only 18 years old too he really showed himself well in the carabao cup Is this match further evidence, though, of why your recruitment needs to improve, especially in the forward areas, do you think?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a conversation that Chelsea fans have had so much. But, yeah, I mean, it's not often you have this many attempts, shots on goal against a Pep Guardiola team. And, uh, again, we had the better chances in the first half especially. And if we take one of them, then it's a different game, right? We get to play with the lead, manage it a bit, drop into that five-four-one. 4 one. Uh, Whereas, obviously, with that free kick in the second half, we're chasing the game. So, I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, Ziyash, Pulisic, they had chances in this match, especially Pulisic, didn't finish. And those are the key moments in the biggest games, and especially when you have this type of opportunity against a bigger team. When when you're playing well and you've found a way to beat their presses and cause problems in transition, you gotta take them. You gotta take your chances. And you know, as for Lewis Hall, I think for sure he played really really well. Uh, it's too bad he didn't take. He had two pretty good chances. The first one, especially in the first half, he had another one in the second half, which was a nice cutback from Ziyech. but. You know, it's too bad he didn't take his chances, but he was really positive. I think how he helped Chelsea get out of the press too, he did really well against uh, the opposition fullback, the young player from Man City at right back. How many times he was able to break the press by beating his man and getting past him. And uh, then combining with Pulisic, or even you saw he had the confidence too to look to switch the play to Ziyech at times. So, you know, he was really good and it's, it's too bad he didn't get his goal.
0: Yeah. Do you think if he continues to play this way, he becomes a starter for Chelsea?
1: Uh, I mean, I doubt he has a starting role with Kukure and Chilwell, uh, both in that position, especially when Chelsea are fully fit. But hey, if we continue to have this sort of luck with injuries, then I'm more than welcome to him playing a squad role.
0: Yeah. I think consistency is still very key, though, as well. I mean, he is still a youngster. Um, First game, incredible. If he keeps it up, it's great to see. I love seeing youngsters do so well. So now it's time to preview Chelsea's upcoming Premier League match before the uh, before the World Cup. And that's going to be up against Newcastle. So, what have your uh, thoughts been on Newcastle this season? They've been doing extraordinarily well, even above Tottenham at this point, which doesn't surprise me it's Tottenham, but... Above all these other teams, above a Liverpool. That's very impressive. So could they finish in the top four, do you think?
1: Well, I'm not surprised Newcastle are doing well uh, because I, th- I I, picked them to come in the top seven before this season. But, you know, with the way they're playing and with some of the, you know, Chelsea, I've been a bit all over the place, obviously Liverpool. United and and Spurs are up and down, uh, so the the opportunity is there for Newcastle, right? Like, the, the, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be thinking, why not? Why can't we make top four? Why can't we push for Europa League? Like, it's a reality for them. They can they can do it. You know what sticks out to me is I think you you got to give a lot of credit to Eddie Howe, because, so first of all, the the the, the style of football is is different. He's got them playing a bit more of an entertaining style, but he's doing it with getting results. He's gone from a team, uh, the Steve Bruce team, that sat back a lot and defended a bit deeper, but now they're pressing higher at the pitch. They're a bit more possession-based, but he also has the personnel to do that, and it's what's getting the best out of his personnel, and that's what's really important. But what sticks out to me about him, too, is that he's now getting the best out of... you know. Newcastle fans have complained about recruitment in the past, right? Miguel Almiron at first, right? Joel at first. But now, Eddie Howe's getting a lot out of these guys. Guys that were supposed flops at the beginning, he's getting more out of them, right? So he's not only getting um, signings from obviously the new owners and the money that's being spent, but he's Getting more out of players from the Steve Bruce, right? And and that's what's impressive. So the squad is is really together. It has a clear identity now. Uh, there's a real positive feeling around Newcastle. And you know, again, I I'd be if I were them, I'd be thinking, why not? Like that front three, Callum Wilson's playing really well. Alan Saint Maximan's having probably the best year of his career. Miguel Almiron has been awesome. And, uh, you know, they got a good midfield with Bruno Gomarish in there and uh, a backline that isn't conceding so many goals with a great goalkeeper too and Nick Pope. So you look at this team and you think, you know what? Like, why not? Why why not? I think uh, I think they're definitely going to finish in, in Europe. Uh, it's just about what competition is it going to be. I think they can push for top four. It may be a bit too much to ask in the end if a few of the bigger teams figure it out. Uh, but... This club is just going to keep going. They're going to keep going up, and I think Eddie Howe has been the perfect man to start this new era and continue it forward. I think he's a wonderful manager.
0: I fully agree, Adam, I think they have honestly, they have a well-balanced squad too. They have they just have like well- hustling players. Saint Maximin has been great in my opinion this season. but yeah, it's, it's honestly nice to see a Newcastle up here with us. How important though is it for Chelsea to win this match?
1: Yeah, hugely important. You know, that is for that's three defeats in a row, right? I mean, Arsenal, City, Brighton. That's three defeats in a row in the in the league. We haven't won a league match for now four matches. This could be five in a row. So you know, Potter's on a run that when you compare it to obviously previous managers since the Roman Abramovich era began until now, um, under the new owners, he, he's on a quite a poor run. And the pressure is mounting. Obviously, there's been injuries and you have to put that into consideration, but the pressure is mounting on the run that he's on. Ultimately... Uh, managers need results. And this could, like I said, five in a row uh, without a def- without a win in the league if Chelsea don't win this. And the other thing is, head-to-head is huge, right? Newcastle is going to be competing for a European spot. So this is a head-to-head match. There's six points in front of us. We have a game in hand. Imagine they go nine points in front of us. And then we'd still have a game in hand, but nine points, right? Or we could be 3 points behind them with a the game in hand. So, that's the head to head. This feels like a six-pointer, right? And and that's why too Chelsea and it's it's at St James's Park, which has never really been an easy ground for, for Chelsea to go to. So, yeah, the the pressure's on for Potter and especially going into the World Cup break, you definitely want a win. So hopefully just settle uh, a few people down a bit in the Chelsea fan base. And um it's a it's a head to-head match too, so this is this is huge.
0: I think I think a win is crucial for chelsea the the the, the just for the table results too it's they needed to stay in this. I feel like Liverpool they're head to head with Liverpool, so that's pretty crucial as well. and Liverpool have a game against Southampton, so pretty important stuff for Chelsea. What do you think they do for their starting 11 then in this game?
1: So what I've got is 3-4-3 with Kalido Koulibaly. Thiago Silva back in the team. He was rested for uh, the Man City game. Uh, but he's going to be back here for Newcastle. Chalaba on the right. Then I have Kukurea at wingback, right? I think that could lead to a good performance uh, from him back in a role that I think is what's best for him at the moment. I have Christian Pulisic at right wing back. I have Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek in the midfield pivot. And then I have Mount, Aubameyang, and Sterling in the front three. Pulisic, that formation could very easily turn into a back four out of possession with uh, Chalaba going to right back and Kukurea going to left back and Pulisic on the right of midfield. I think that could be a, uh, a bit more comfortable. I think Pulisic... Despite him not finishing those chances, he's actually played quite well as of late. Um, Just needs to add the end product to it. So I think he does deserve to play. And I want Sterling in more of those central areas. So I'd like to get both of them on the pitch. So yeah, I I would go with that more of a hybrid system. And I think Newcastle, they like to go into that 4-3-3. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll... look to to press higher up the pitch so I think having that back three could help in terms of playing out from the back Chelsea really struggled with the four against Arsenal so a five can sometimes really help playing out from the back because you have the extra man you have the wing backs so you could create those angles so I think uh, a back three could be a bit more natural especially with the uh, the passing and the range of passing of Tiago Silva so Hopefully that helps. And then defensively, you can go into a four, obviously, because you don't have Reese James at, at right wing back, and you could push Sterling a bit higher. And uh, hopefully, you know, our, Newcastle like to build out in a four, also in possession, so we can match them up that way, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a solid squad. I mean, yeah, it ultimately does come down to it. Yeah, it does come down to it tomorrow, Chelsea-Newcastle. It's going to be exciting stuff. Let's finish strong for Chelsea before the World Cup starts. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Adam?
1: We're good. We're good. Go Chelsea. Hopefully we can get this win. And then it's World Cup time.
0: All right. Yeah, so we will be back next week to begin our World Cup coverage, focusing on Canada's squad and preparation for the tournament, which is very exciting stuff. I've just bought myself several jerseys. I bought it off some website online, but... Apparently they're credible. I got myself an Arsenal jersey, a Canada jersey, and of course a Germany jersey. So I'm very, very excited for this World Cup, Adam.
1: Awesome, awesome! I'll have I'll have my Alfonso Davies jersey out.
0: Yeah, I got Kamal Miller printed on mine.
1: Yes, and you know what? Next week, next week we're uh, we're gonna reveal some predictions too. Yep,
0: yeah, very excited. All right. With that said, thank you, everyone, and peace.